welcome to the Empower Church podcast. My name is Matt Garner, and I'm the pastor at Empower Church here in Melbourne, Australia. We're so glad you've joined us today, and I am believing that today's message is not only going to inspire you and encourage you, but it's going to empower, equip, and challenge you to be everything that God has called you to be. Hey, if you want more information about what we're up to at Empower Church, just jump on our website, empowerchurch.co, and all the details are there. We really hope that you enjoy the message. Hey, well, welcome back. Uh, We are in January. It is exciting. It is the year 22. Can you believe it? And uh, I'm just super excited about what God wants to do in you, what he wants to do for you, what he wants to do in you, and what he wants to do through you. Um, As we grow together, as we walk out this journey, as we pioneer Empower Church together, I'm super excited about what God wants to do and achieve through us and through the ministry, through being able to serve our community, through being able to meet the needs of those within our church community and also our broader community. And uh, so we are excited. For those of you that don't know me, uh, my name's Matt. Um, I'm on team at Empower Church here. And it is just a wonderful privilege and opportunity, huge honor to be able to come and bring God's word to you today. We're excited. If you're here for the first time, head, head over to our website, empowerchurch.co. We'd love to connect with you there. There's a form if you do want information about what we're doing, where you can click on it and uh, get some information. We'd love to be in, in uh, get in touch with you. Um, but also, uh, you'll see right there on our homepage, there's the... You can write up the very top, there's N-E-W-S and specifically the north and the east. If you just click on those circles, um, if you're in the east, it'll take you to the east page. That'll give you all the details about what's happening, how we're gathering and what's happening in this season or as we pioneer our east community. And also the same with the north. We're excited about getting to in-person services. If we haven't already by the time this has streamed, I don't think it quite we quite have yet, um, but I'm really, really excited about us gathering together and uh, worshiping in that way. Now, our heart at Empower Church has never been to devalue the Sunday attendance, but certainly um, increase the value of us being everyday disciples. And what does that mean? That means that the Monday through the Saturday are equally as important as the Sunday. But we certainly don't want you to hear that we're trying to devalue us gathering together corporately for worship, for teaching, for empowering um, and equipping um, in in that way that we traditionally have through our Sunday services. We as the church, we as Empower, as we pioneer this new wineskin, we see Sundays as this opportunity to be empowered as the body of Christ, be equipped so that we can then go and be an influence in our world. You're on mission, wherever you are, and whatever circumstance you find yourself in, you are on mission, and God's got a plan for your life. And so we hope that these times of gathering are a time of family, are a time of fun, are a time of empowerment, um, and are a time where you are inspired and filled with the power of Holy Spirit to go and to be witnesses for Jesus in the world. Last week, I started a, a, um, I started a sermon that I want to finish today entitled Vision. 
And uh, as I shared in the last message, go back and have a listen to it. I shared this idea, uh, or I I shared this thought that I had in prayer at the end of November, where I just simply felt in my heart the Lord say, the future is amazing. Now to clarify, disclaimer, I didn't think the Lord was saying the the future is filled with investments and, and money and Bentleys and whatever those things are that your heart wants or whatever the world defines as success. But I did feel the Lord say the future is amazing. And it came to me at a time as we were coming out of the lockdowns and we're coming into this season that we're in right now. And it felt hard. It felt like a hard word to receive from the Lord. (laughs) And it sounds funny really because it's an exciting word. It's um, it's not like a, a kind of go to Nineveh type of word. It's, it's, um, it's not like a Matt, you need to humble yourself type of word. It's, it's in, any, in, in any other year, it would have been, you know, me running around my office, uh, you know, just praising or up and down the aisles or whatever it was, thanking God for a word like that. The future is amazing. And the reason why it felt hard is because um, as we pastor Empower Church, as we shepherd you, as we point, continue to point you to Jesus and disciple you and want to see you become everything that you can be. We're also aware that the last couple of years, specifically the last six months of last year, were some of the most exhausting times that we've had to walk through. I know that some of you lost loved ones last year. I know that some of you lost a lot of money last year. I know that some of you lost your mind last year. I know that some of you found it really difficult emotionally, relationally, physically. I know that last year was a tough year. And so when the Lord put that word in my heart, it was something that I had to bring before him and help him to help me to understand it from a a prophetic Holy Spirit perspective. And I think one one of the interesting things and one of the things that people may not understand about my job, but my, I, um, although I'm a visionary type of leader, I'm really interested in what's happening in your world. And I want to sit with you and I'll walk with you and I want to, I carry that burden in my heart. And when the Lord said the future is amazing, the thing that came to my mind is, Lord, but the people are so tired. Lord, the people have walked out such a tough time. And I felt the Lord say to me, this isn't a prophetic word for next year. This uh, in the sense of necessarily a declaration. Matt, this is not a declaration more than it is an invitation. The future is amazing. And last week as I established that when I'm talking about vision or when we as a church are talking about vision, the first thing that we're talking about is the most important thing. And that is that our vision is Jesus. Our vision isn't to build this and to have these 45 buildings and to have that. They, they will come and all those things will happen. But our primary vision is him. We want Jesus to be glorified. We want Jesus to be, to be magnified. We want Jesus to be the centerpiece. We want people, when they walk into our community, when they walk into our gatherings, when they... Um, participate in an e-connect in in these churches within our church. We want people to feel 
We want people to sense. We want people to know the goodness and the glory of our God in the person of Jesus. And so our vision is him. And my prayer for you today, because when the Lord said the future is amazing, I felt him saying that this is an invitation And I feel the Lord saying this to you today, that this is an invitation to you to walk with him. And I know you're tired and I know you've been weary. And I know that it's been a tough season. And I know that we're not out of this global pandemic just yet. I know we're not out of this crazy life that we live. But hear the invitation through the spirit. The future is amazing. The Lord is calling you today to walk with him. And so, yeah, the future is amazing. It is an invitation and it is also a declaration around how we need to, as I read that quote from A.W. Tozer last week, we need a baptism of clear vision that we would prophetic men and women of God would rise up and would be able to see what the Lord is doing through the mist. And that's what I'm praying that these teachings do in us at Empower Church. In the east, in the north, that we would have a baptism of clear seeing. Let's read our text one more time. Genesis chapter 17, 1 to 8. And then let's pray. When Abram was 99 years old, we spoke about that last week. And the Lord appeared to him and said, I am the Lord. I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down and said to God, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. You will be called Abraham for I have made you the father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful and I will make nations of you and kings and queens will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and to be the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan where you now reside as a foreigner, will I will give you as an everlasting possession to you and to your descendants after you, I will be their God. Father, I'm asking today, like a wind, you'd come and blow away that mist. That mist that's caused us to have foggy vision, to be only able to see right in front of us. And today, Holy Ghost, come and do that wherever the people are, whatever they find themselves doing. Let that baptism, let that submerging of clear vision happen right now. Let that baptism of clear vision happen right now. Father, let the only thing that we see, let the only thing that our hearts desire be who you are, Jesus. Let us grow in this way as a community this year across the north and the east and the west and the south. Let us grow, Father, in our love for you. Let us grow in our desire to be your servants. Lord, I'm praying as we come around your word today that you would speak to our hearts, that you would change our lives and that your presence would be made manifest in us and through us today in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Amen. Well, the first thing that I want you to write down today, I don't think I'll be as long as I was last week, but I want you to write this down. God is who, sorry, let me try that again. I want you to write this question down. Who is God to you? This is important and I don't want you to skim over this. I don't want you to feel like this is just another thing that you've, um, just another question that's been asked rhetorically out there to the vast audience, the hundreds, maybe thousands of people that are listening to this message. I want you to listen to this very clearly, but I want you to listen to this very pointed to you today. Who is God to you? Who is God to you? This is one of the most profound and important questions that you and I as humans, you and I as individuals, that I as a father, that I as a husband, that I as a pastor, that I as a leader in, in, a, in a community, that I just as a person before God could ever answer. Who is God to you? One of the most important questions that you'll ever answer in your life is that question. Who is God to me? Just say that. Who is God to me? It was such an important question that in the Gospel of St. Matthew, Jesus asked of his own disciples, who, I know what man are saying. I know the rumors. I know what the preacher's saying. I know what the pastor's saying. I know what religion is saying. I know what the latest podcast is saying. I know what YouTube is saying. I know what the world is saying. But he asked the pointed question, but who do you say that I am? And I feel the voice of the Spirit coming through my voice today asking you that same question. Not asking your mum or your dad or your child or your pastor or the famous preacher that you listen to every week. But asking directly pointed to you today, who do you say that I am? Who is God to you? It's personal. And the reason why this question is imperative to ask of yourself is that what everyone else believes won't be the thing that gets you through the difficult and the different seasons that life thrusts upon you. The reason why this question is important for you to personally answer is because the faith of your parents is not enough to sustain you when they die of something that you thought they should be healed of, or when your marriage goes through a hard time, or when you don't get the score that you wanted to get through your studies, or when, when that friend betrays you, or when that church leader hurts you, or when that sickness hits your body, or where those thorns, like Paul speaks of, in Corinthians, the thorns in his flesh, the struggles that we have, who knows exactly what they were, when those things are in our life, the only thing that is going to be able to get us through that, well, the thing that is not going to be able to get us through that is the faith or the belief or the answer of that question of someone else. Who is God to you? That the answer to that question is the thing that is going to sustain you through life's challenges. It's the thing that's going, to, that's going to keep you grounded in your successes, but also um, filled with hope when you're in your valleys. The answer to that question is important. It is what you believe and in whom you believe 
that is going to answer and is going to get you through those challenges. When success or, or failure arrive, your response is going to flow from what you believe. Your response is going to flow through what you believe. It's not going to flow through what I believe. You know, we have some wonderfully gifted people in, in the world. We have some wonderfully gifted people in our team. I just love seeing the pure love for Jesus that, um, you know, Isaac and Beck show. I just love it. It's inspiring. I just love, I love, I love um, rubbing shoulders with Matt and Sarah. They've helped Alicia and I so much in the last 12 to 18 months. Just simplify our faith to who is Jesus to us in the most profound way. I love our team. I love our team. It's exciting. I love Pastor Ben's digging in the word. I love our team. We've got so many wonderful people that just have a love for prayer and this and all those sorts of things. I could name every person in our church and they've got something so unique and powerful that is inspiring. But guess what? Their answer and their love and their desire for prayer and and their, their desire and their, uh, and their love for prayer and their prayer itself is not me, is not my belief system, is not me actually grabbing hold of that thing and praying. You know, we all know that person that, that's like a yo-yo when it comes to the things of life. We all know that person that every time this year they decide I'm going to lose the weight and they do lose the weight. And then with months later... They're the yo-yo or, or they, they drop the 20 kilos and the 30 kilos and then later in that year they put it on again. Why does that yo-yo, why do those patterns in our life happen? I believe that the answer has to be that you can't change the outside in the long term unless you change the mind or unless you change the inside. If you don't have an inward transformation, you will continue to return to who you truly are. Did you see that? You will, listen to me, this is important. Excuse me, I'm hungry. You will continue to change. You will continue to return to who you truly are. You can diet, exercise, intermittent fast. You can do, I'm preaching to myself today, come on. You can do all those things. You can... Uh, but the sustained growth and the consistent response the and the desired behavior are found when you devote yourself to an internal transformation. You've heard me say before, but Christianity is not about behavior modification. I believe it's Christine Kane that said this. Christianity is not behavior modification. It is heart transformation. Why? Because the true sustained Change and transformation externally happens when it is a byproduct of a transformation that happens internally. Now stick with me, stick with me. We're still in Genesis chapter one. We're still talking about vision because I'm trying to help you to understand that in order to fulfill the vision, in order to become like Jesus, you must let who is our vision, you must let him transform you from the inside out. Who is God to you? You must look at him. Second Corinthians says, as in a mirror, we behold him. We behold him. We look at him as in a mirror and we are changed into the likeness 
of what we see and that beholding of him. This is why worship and Sunday gatherings are so important. This is why you opening your Bible is so important. This is why you being in an e-connect and Christian community and devoting yourselves to a lifestyle of devotion to Jesus is so important because it's like when you look at him, it transforms the inside of you and allows you, it changes the vision that you have of yourself and therefore allows you to live out the life in a sustained way, not in a yo-yo type of way. You can attend. See, an old wineskin says, I can't wait for the next conference. Now, there's nothing wrong with conferences or moments or things that God is doing in that way. But if you want to continue in that old wineskin yo-yo way of Christianity, you're going to have to keep going back for the next fix. You, you, can, you can attend the conference, be touched by God, but in, in, and in that moment, but if you don't allow that change to permeate your soul, then your spirit, you know, to permeate your soul, then your spirit connects with God, but your life returns to the same old, same old. Listen, your behavior, we're coming back to vision, trust, stick with me, we're going somewhere today. Your behavior is consistent with who you believe you are and who you believe you are is consistent with who you believe God is. That's why God is so insistent throughout the Bible on revealing to us more about himself so that we can see who we are. See, the reason why the scriptures continually go out of their way to reveal who God is to us is so that we can change from the inside out is because God knows that we will behave consistently with who we believe we are. That's why we need to continue to ask the Lord to change us from the inside out. And this idea helps bring an understanding to why we react and why we respond in our trials and difficult seasons, either in faith or in fear. It's on a fundamental level because of what we genuinely believe about who he is and who he has made us to be in Christ. And so coming back to our initial thought today, who is God to you? The answer to that question is the thing that shapes your devotion to him. So you want to know why you're a lukewarm Christian? Is because of your answer to that question. It's how you see Jesus. And maybe you saw him one way, in, 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 but that mist has come in. That's why we need a baptism of clear seer, seeing. It's not that we can, so that we can see what's happening in politics better, or so we can see and we can outplay what the next step is in the global pandemic. Who gives a rip about those sorts of things? We're not going to change the world in that way. We're going to change the world when we behold who Jesus is and we live out him, who he is in the earth at this time. Jesus never changed the world by trying to change the political system. Jesus never changed the world by going on a march. Jesus never stood up for his own rights in that way. In fact, it was contrary. And I know I'm saying some controversial things right now. I'm not saying that we should just let our society just go to hell in a handbasket. I'm, what I'm saying to you today is sometimes we're trying to 
change systems of the world where God is saying, no, the way the world is changed is when you allow me to change you. Man. So the question today, the most important thing that you can answer in your life for 2022 is who is God to you? Who is God to me? Come on, say it again. Who is God to me? Who is God to me? Because God is wanting to reveal to us who he is. And that is this invitation of this new vision that we can have with God. We're talking about this view and this view that we have of God. And we're talking about Abram and we're talking about how God gave him this vision of being the father of many nations. But it didn't start with the father of many nations. He had, let's look at, let's, let's extrapolate the text this morning and see the progression of how the encounter actually happened with Abram so that we can truly be transformed and maybe get some principles by which God moves and wants to reveal vision to us. And before we get to those, those few thoughts, I want you to see this today, that your view comes from your you. Your view comes from your you. Write that down. That's important. So the question is, and I'll, I'll explain to you what that cryptic statement means in a moment. The question is, is where does your you come from? Where does your view of yourself come from? If your view of who God is comes from you, then where does your view come from? Your ability to dream big, your ability to have vision, your ability as a prophetic person, which we are all called to be as, um, as people that have the capacity of vision in our life, is directly related to our belief in who God is and who you believe he made you to be. So how you see determines how you behave. Behavior always follows identity. And generally this explains why, why this explains why a change of behavior is not enough. It's not enough to in the long term change addiction. It's not enough in the long term to break patterns of thinking. It's not enough in the long term to break generational curses and cycles because they are in you. They are internal. And so you need a change of the you in order so that you can change your view. We're trying to fix things, something internal with a tool that only reaches the external. So we're trying to change the behavior we're trying to change the pattern. We're trying to change the eating habit. We're trying to change the exercise regime. We're trying to quit smoking or drinking or whatever that thing is that we're addicted to because we've got the vision, we've got the this. We're trying to change it, but we're trying to change it through external means, humanistic ways rather than internal ways, rather than inviting the Holy Spirit to come in. And it's like a surgeon, go with me on this, it's like a surgeon trying to fix a heart with a stethoscope. You can check the heartbeat. You can ascertain that there is something irregular about the heartbeat. You might even be so skilled with that stethoscope that you can work out that it's the left ventricle that is weak or whatever the case might be. But that tool 
will never bring about the necessary change that is required to fix the, that ventricle that may need surgery. You need different tools. It's the same thing. Yeah, 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 we measure that. We measure something to do with the heart with the stethoscope. But really what you need is you need a surgeon and you need a scalpel. And see what you and I over the years have been trying to do is we've been trying to fix our life through our humanity and through humanistic ways. We've been trying to fix our world through 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 trying to change the political system. We've been trying to fix our world through through going on this march. We've been trying to fix our world through doing all those sorts of things. But the truth is we need different tools. Ephesians chapter 6 says that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. And I want to be honest with you and I want to be strong with you this year. I want to be strong with you this year. We need to be a people that understand that we need to stop fighting the the uh, we need to stop fighting these things out there with external weapons. They're not the weapons that God has given us. The weapons that God has given us are strong and mighty and they will pull down the strongholds and they will bring about the change. But we've got to exercise them through the spirit. How, what are those things? They're acts of service. They're living in love. They're living counterculture to the world. When the world's trying to divide, we're trying to love. When the world are uh, ostracizing and separating, we're trying to bring together. When the world uh, are living in hatred, we're living in unity. When the world are dividing over small little things that won't even make the, have no bearing in the next five to 10 years, we are a people that are uniting around the love of who Jesus and the person of who Jesus is. Where, what, what are our weapons of our warfare? Their faith, their prayer, their laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover. Their radical acts of generosity to the broken and the poor and the widows. They're sharing the good news of the gospel of Jesus to those that don't know. Our job as we pioneer communities into different areas of our city is our, our primary mandate is not to pioneer Sunday services. That's why we're not going into the east with um, this nice polished service, but we are going in with people that operate in a different spirit. We are, we are pioneering a new wineskin. And what is that? We're not concerned about what the, the polish of the Sunday service looks like. We're concerned about the everyday disciple. We're concerned about the follower of Jesus. And so we're trying to fix things with the wrong, wrong tools. Let's be committed this year. Let's be committed this year to going on this journey where we invite the Holy Spirit to show us how to shift things in the natural. Now, how does this apply to Genesis chapter 17? Matt, this is a pretty long-winded way of getting there. I know, I, I, I'm, get, I'm getting there right now. Because what we've got to understand about the Bible is God is consistent in revealing himself through the scriptures about who he is. Like, he's consistently doing this. God is revealing his nature, his ability, and his character through stories and through moments and through events to reveal a view of who he is that will transform the you of who we are in order so that we can then be the people that God has called us to be so that we can have a greater understanding of who he is and in turn be changed by that revelation. 
These are some significant names of how God reveals himself. Just write these down. I'm going to rush through them. He, he reveals himself. He, excuse me, hungry again. He reveals himself, reveals himself as Jehovah Jireh. And, and you can find that story in Genesis chapter 22, 13 to 14, actually in the life of Abram. And he reveals himself. And that, that Jehovah Jireh means that, that he is the Lord God that sees and provides. In Exodus chapter 15, he reveals himself as Jehovah Rapha, the Lord God that heals. In Exodus 17, 8 to 15, he reveals himself as Jehovah Nissi, the Lord, our banner, the one that will fight and go before us. In, Jeho- in uh, Judges chapter 6 and verse 24 to Gideon, he reveals himself as Jehovah Shalom, the Lord, our peace, Yahweh, our peace. He reveals himself in Psalms 23 verses number one, Jehovah Ra, the Lord, Jehovah Yahweh, our, is the way, my shepherd. He reveals himself in Jeremiah chapter 23 and verses six as Jehovah Tiskendu, the Lord, our righteousness. He reveals himself in Ezekiel chapter 48 and verses number 35 as Jehovah, Yahweh, Shammah. The Lord is light. He is ever present. And we also discover that the book of Philippians tells us that Jesus himself has been given the name that is above every other name. And it goes out of his way to define this name in, that is above every other name is the name Uh, His name is greater than any name that is below the earth. Speaking of the demonic realm, he has all authority over that realm. He has been given a name that is greater than any other name that is below the earth, in the earth. There is no man in human history or woman that could ever live up to the name of Jesus. And he has also been given the name that is above every other name above the earth. In other words, his name in the name of Jesus. When you call on the name of Jesus, you are calling on Jehovah Jireh. You are calling on Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals. Nissi, the Lord, our banner. If you're in a battle, you need to know that when you call upon the name of Jesus, it is in the name of Jesus that everything has been put under his feet and our feet. If you are not experiencing peace, You need to know that he has been given the name that is above every other name. And when you call upon his name, you are calling on Jehovah Shalom, the Lord, our peace. And God reveals to him. I told you I'd break this down. God reveals to him. God reveals himself now to Abraham in an amazing way. Check this out. When Abraham was 99 years old. The Lord appeared to him and he said, listen to what he said and listen to the order in which he says it. I am the Lord Almighty. God, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. What is God trying to do here? Up until this point in time, Abraham has affection, Abram has affectionately referred to the Lord as Adon, Adonai, which means Lord or master and his family would have willingly called him Adonai 
And this is the first time in the Bible that God reveals himself as God Almighty, which in the Hebrew is the word El Shaddai. And most Christian scholars agree that the word El means God and Shaddai means Almighty. Therefore, El Shaddai translates to God Almighty. Another suggested root meaning for El Shaddai is the overpowerer, meaning God will do what he purposes to do, overpowering all opposition that will try to get in his way. Some interpret in Jewish tradition Shaddai as sufficient and therefore God is the all-sufficient one. If you're not familiar with the story of Abraham, let me give you a quick recap. God in chapter 15 reveals to Abraham that he is going to be the father of many nations and that he will have a son. Unfortunately, it seems by human eyes that the Lord has come a little bit too late. And the word of the Lord came when it looked like Abram and his wife Sarah were unable to have children. Abraham, who still believed God and what God said, went and took it in his own uh, went and took it under his own way and ended up having sex with his maidservant, Haggai, at the suggestion of his wife, and she got pregnant. As a result of her getting pregnant, Abram has a son, Ishmael, but God clearly communicates that Ishmael is not the promise that God, the, not the promised son that God is speaking about in Genesis 17:1. In Genesis 17, 1, God appears to Abram and reveals himself now with that as our backdrop as El Shaddai. God appears to him and reveals to him. And I believe that God wanted to reveal himself as El Shaddai to Abraham, the father of faith, so that Abraham would shift from his own competencies or incompetencies, as you would see it, to El Shaddai the sufficient one, the overpowerer. And this revelation is the introduction that shifts something inside of Abraham. Abraham now understands that by faith, God can do it. Not through, Empower Church is not going to be a healthy, thriving church community that brings about the kingdom of God to this world through the endeavor of human effort. It is going to happen through the the, the partnership that we have, the humble partnership that we have as the Spirit does the work. Abram now understands, as he is Abraham, that by faith God can do it. And this promise is only possible if revelation, if your revelation is right. So what's your revelation of God? Who and how has God appeared to you? As I wrote that down, I felt to challenge you and really zone in, hone in and zoom in on that question. Who and how has God appeared to you? This year, I promise you, as we gather corporately, every Sunday, we're going to give an opportunity for you to encounter him. And we're committed as a team to opening up space for you to respond and get prayer and see people move in the gifts of the spirit and see you activate in the gifts of the spirit. Our Sunday gatherings are going to be an environment of amazing encounters with the presence of God. 
I don't want us just to get intoxicated with this idea of I want to feel good. That's not the purpose of an encounter with God. And it, the, the, the purpose of an encounter with God is that we would behold him in a new way so that we'd be transformed from the inside out. That's what the encounter with God does. And I believe that this is what this invitation for a new vision is about. It's about saying, God, would you take me deeper? God, would you move in my life in a new way? And I want to challenge you with this today as we wrap this up, talking about the power of vision. How do you see God? Because I'm trying to help you to see today through this story of Abraham, that Abraham, the pattern by which the encounter happened. Look at it. Look at what happened. Look at what happened. Where is it? I'm looking, I'm looking for the text. Look at what happened. It says, it says this. Scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. He said, he was 99 years old and the Lord appeared to him and said, I am the Lord God Almighty. What's the first thing that happens? Before a vision for his future is revealed. A revelation of who God is, is revealed. And this is what I believe that the Lord is saying to us today. I want to reveal, stop worrying about vision and five-year plan and start looking to me. Start leaning into me. And I pray that God, and, and I hope that you see that this is why this important, it's so important, this question of who is God. And I pray that this puts a hunger in your soul to know who God is more. I pray that it really does put a hunger inside of your spirit for a greater revelation of who Jesus is. You know, the last thing that I want to say today is I want to invite you to be Abraham. Names of, names of, of Hebrews, names for a Hebrew are, are of extreme importance. And they're put in the Bible for significant reasons. We've just seen how God reveals himself in a new way to Abram. And as he does, he reveals a new name that describes what he is like, what he can do and what he desires to do. And simultaneously, as God reveals, as simultaneously as God's new name is revealed, a new name for Abram is revealed. Abram fell face down, number three, verse number three, Genesis 17. And God said to him, as for me, this is my covenant with you. Your name will, uh, and you will be a father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham. For I've made you the father of many nations. Abraham's name, the meaning now means father of multitudes. Because every encounter with God helps, every encounter with God always leads to your identity changing. Thank you, Lord. Throughout the Bible, we see names pointing to identity. When Abram is introduced to El Shaddai, the sufficient one, the all-powerful one, it's mandatory that Abram's identity changes to fit this new revelation. So God changes his name to Abraham. I want you to hear this. This is, this is really important. I want to say that again. When Abraham is introduced to El Shaddai 
and he gets that revelation. El Shaddai, the sufficient one, the all-powerful one, right? It's mandatory that Abram's identity changes to fit this new revelation. That's what happens when we encounter God. Your identity is the limit, is the limit to the vision that you carry. And that is why God wants to appear to you and give you a new name. Your identity is the determining factor of whether or not you can carry what he has for you. That's why there are people that say they're having an encounter in the Pentecostal tradition, but really have, they're have just having an, an emotional experience because there will always be fruit attached to an encounter. There will always be a shift in your identity, which therefore increases your capacity because you are now carrying a new revelation or understanding of who he is. And as a result of carrying that new revelation, that new understanding of who he is, you are now carrying a greater capacity and a greater authority to see that thing released into the world. In Mark chapter 2, Jesus is teaching about the kingdom of God. He says, no one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. Otherwise, the new piece is pulled away from the old making the tear worse. No one pours new wine into old wineskins, otherwise the wine will burst the skins. And both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins. Skins of animals in those times were used for containing liquids. And in the case of wine, the wine, if the wine was new, the fermentation process increased the volume, which was then compensated for by the elasticities of the new wine skins. However, if the new wine was put into an old wine skin, which is hardened and no longer elastic, the fermentation process would burst the skin, resulting in a loss of both the wine and the wine skins. And so we see that the container, the vessel, are you with me today? The vessel and the container The vessel's constitution was important. Further to this, we see that God couldn't put his spirit in an old container. So that this is the reason why now we are born again. We are born again because God couldn't put... So we're born again because God had to create a new wineskin in us being born again to put in his new wine. That's why we couldn't be filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit before we were born again. We needed a name change in order to carry the vision that God had for us. And just like Abraham, God wants to appear to you and give you a new name. And in doing so, adjust your identity, which will allow you to carry the vision that he's calling you to carry. And I just pray through this time that that, that what would be captured in your heart is this idea of, I need to know Jesus more. My message can't really give you a revelation. I pray that it opens the door of your heart somehow to do so. But if, if my message is the thing, or messages or podcasts are the things that give you revelation about who Jesus is, that just speaks to the depth of your, and the maturity of your Christianity. And that might sound pretty harsh, but it's just maybe... It should just be a good reality check as a spiritual father speaking into your life. 
to know that you've got to take your, the, your maturity and your revelation of who Jesus is and you've got to realize that you can't be exclusively getting it from podcasts and from what other men are saying. You've got to go to God's word and you've got to invite the Holy Spirit. You've got to go into prayer yourself and let the Lord speak to you. And so I pray as we go into 2022, I'm praying that this sense of vision would touch your heart. I'm praying that you would truly get this in your spirit, that the future is amazing. The future is amazing. I want to print a t-shirt that says it. Come on. The future is amazing. Your future is amazing. God's got a plan. 2022 is going to be the greatest year. Are you ready to have your mind blown? Are you ready to see things that you've never seen before? Are you ready for that for a boldness to come upon you? Are you ready for God's power to come upon you in a new way? I want to tell you right now that I'm believing that the future is amazing. As we look to Jesus, as we have this new revelation, El Shaddai, El Shaddai, God, show us, give us a revelation of who you are, is what we want. And that's what we're praying for in the name of Jesus. Hey, thanks for sticking right through to the end. We love you. We bless you in the name of Jesus. We declare the favor of God over your life. And we thank you so much for your sacrifice, for your generosity. We thank you so much for being a part of our community. God bless you. Head to our website if you want to give. Head to our website if you want to connect. Head to our website if you have any prayer needs or testimonies. We'd love to hear them. And uh, we're looking forward to seeing you in person really soon. Peace.